Amen. Go ahead and have a, a seat. And I want to talk to you today about the connection between supernatural increase and a thing called faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness three times. We may not realize it, but with God, uh, it's a premium. It's highly valued in his people. Going back to Psalm 115, verse 14, the scripture says, May the Lord increase you more and more. And verse 14 from the Harrison translation says, May the Lord give you continued prosperity. We've taught you in this series that God's redemption is, is threefold, and the blood of Jesus paid for each of these areas. It is spiritual, it is physical, and it is material, and you cannot separate them, and you should not let anyone talk you out of them. If he died for you and for me, he gave us a spiritual benefit, a physical benefit, and a material benefit. Turn to somebody and tell them, I'm going to have everything he died to give me. And you're not being selfish, you're not being self-centered, you're not being materialistic to expect that God would do what his word would say. So he forgives us and he makes us righteous and he's providing a heavenly home and he heals us and he restores us. And one day you look at somebody and say, you're going to get a brand new body. <clears throat> Everybody say brand new. Say brand new. It doesn't, it doesn't pop, crack when you get up in the morning. Amen. Everything works perfectly and works perfectly for all eternity. And that's in, you know, the end days. But he also gives you a material benefit. In fact, God has never been shy about declaring, if you'll follow me, if you'll do honorably towards me, I will take care of you and increase you in the land you're going into. It's always been his will to take care of his people materially. And I want to point out to you, you are not to pursue material, you're to pursue God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will what? Be added unto you as well. But if you do the Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, these blessings shall come up on you and overtake you. So you can't stop any dimension of redemption. Now you can say, I don't want it, and don't use your faith for it. That's fine. But don't you dare criticize some other believer who's exercising faith for every area of redemption. Say it with me, spiritually, physically, and materially. Third John says, beloved, I wish above all things. That's quite a statement, isn't it? To say out of all the things, the Apostle John, who loved Jesus, who was there at the cross when he was crucified, out of all the things he could say, he said, I pray above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So you can see that this increased concept is tied to the condition of your life spiritually in terms of the condition of your soul. If it's getting along well with you and your soul, you can expect for increase to also manifest in your life. Listen to this from Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. You'll hear religious people say sometimes, well, God doesn't care about that money thing. All he cares about is you spiritually one day dying and going to heaven or being raptured. Then why does the Bible say that he takes pleasure in your well-being? Say, well, in the sweet by and by, he'll take pleasure. Listen, your sweet by and by is taken care of. You're not going to find any sin there. You're not going to find any sickness there. You're not going to find rebellion there. You're not going to find addiction there. And you're not going to find poverty there. Some of y'all are going to get to the pearly gates and go, not too rich for me. 
Somebody said, all I want is just an old little cabin by the stream, you know. That's all I want in heaven. Well, you're going to the wrong place. It's a kingdom that has streets that are made out of what? Gold. I don't know if I'd believe that. Well, if you believe the Bible, you believe it. It's an elaborate place, a stunning place, and yet the devil's talked you in that God, that believing that God doesn't care about your welfare here. Can I tell you something about your God? Your God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your God is consistent. If he cares about it then, he cares about it where? Here. The bottom line is he even told you to pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. What? On earth as it is in heaven. This earth was never designed to be ruined by sin and trashed by rebellion. There's coming a day when it's a full restoration. But you have to be careful what you're listening to, church, because if you listen long enough to somebody that tells you God didn't care about all these areas of redemption, you'll start to believe it. There are people that believe in the new birth. Everybody say, thank God, that's me. And there are people that believe in the new birth but also believe that God can and does heal his people on this planet. Raise your hand if you've ever been healed. Raise your hand if you know somebody who's been healed and you know no man did it, no doctor did it. Thank God for them, but there are situations that, that medicine cannot solve. And that will always be the case. There are some people that believe in the new birth and believe in physical restoration, but they don't believe that God cares about them financially. Don't believe that God cares about them materially. Your God cares about every part of your life. In fact, when he made you, he made you material. He could have chosen to create you a spirit and not attach a body to it. So when you say that God doesn't care about this, this is not coming from the word of God. It's coming from philosophy. That you should hate things that are material. You should despise things. No, you should treat them in their proper order. Do not put them before God. But if you honor God, these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. In addition to that, it requires resources to be a blessing. God said to Abram, I will what? Bless you and make you a blessing. So you're now empowered to assist and to help other people. That's why the Bible says it's more blessed to what? To give than to receive. That's why the Bible says he gives seed what? To the sower. Say it, I'm a sower, so I get seed. Hallelujah. Now when I first came here, I preached 33 messages on this topic. I just gave you, in five minutes, 33 messages. Somebody shout and say amen, praise the Lord. Amen. The bottom line is he cares about every part of your life. I said he cares about every part of your life. You can trust him and believe him and seek him, and he will move in this area of your life. Now, the key is we've got to keep a life consistent with his ways. God has ways of being and doing right. How many know this crazy world has ways? Your family has ways. And how many know probably not all those ways are right ways? But all the ways of God are right. In Psalm 25, 4 and 5, it says, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are my God and Savior, and my hope is in you all the day long. Just lift your hand, close your eyes, and pray this prayer and say, Lord, show me your ways and teach me your truth. This series here is about seven different ways or factors that if you line up with them, you're going to see increase in your life. I know it's been a challenging, crazy time. 2020 is certainly one for the books, but your God's not bound by a date on the calendar. 
the promises of God were not suspended because COVID was released by the devil himself on this planet. God's promises are yes and they are amen. And you need to stir yourself up to believe he does all things good. He wants nothing for you but good. And this, in the, in the scheme of things, is a blip. You might say that we find out where we really are spiritually in a season like this. Are we going to back down, shut up, you know, go backwards? Or are we going to be strong in faith and confidence in God and move forward in this thing? I believe you're people that are strong in the Lord. I said, I believe you're strong in the Lord. You could have willed and you could have fainted, but you chose not to. So the first way we talked about, of course, was walking in the truth. If you don't want to walk in the truth, forget about this increased business. It's not going to happen if you reject truth and you reject the attachment, the benefits that are attached to truth. And today we're talking about the way of faithfulness. Faithfulness is the second increased factor. It's another way of God. Listen to this from Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. You can turn there, scroll to it, whatever you want to do. But listen to this. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Turn to somebody and tell them, hold on to love. Hold on to faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. And certainly those in ministry have been given a trust, but you have been given a trust as well. How many of you and I have been given the key to everything? While this world walks around in darkness and uncertainty and confusion, you and I know who God is. We know who His Son is. We know how this thing turns out. We know who we are in Christ. We know what happens when somebody gives their life to Christ. We're blessed people. We're not in the darkness, are we? And the key for you and for me is to be faithful with that trust. Proverbs 26 says, Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. Actual faithfulness is rare in any generation. But in the generation we're in right now, in the country we're in right now, it's more rare than it's ever been before. Now, I will say this boldly to you. There is not a person in here that if they will tap into the way of God being faithful, they will increase in 2021. No one can stop you from increasing if you'll be faithful to God. In fact, we've taught ourselves that if you have a certain gift or a certain dispensation or somebody's giving you somehow an, 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 a, a talent or an aptitude, then I'll increase. No, it doesn't, you didn't take the aptitude or the gift. What it takes is faithfulness. What man values in the world is not the same thing that God values. Regardless of talents and abilities and aptitudes, if you'll line up with a way of faithfulness, you'll see God increase you. Are you here today? So I want to talk to you, this, to, to you about this today because the Proverbs 28, 20 says, A faithful man shall abound with what? With blessings. Come on, shout it out. The faithful man shall abound with blessings. Say it again. The faithful man shall abound. Not the most talented. Not the most gifted. Not the most popular, not the most likable. Somebody said, well, thank God for that last one. 
Still in the running. Praise the Lord. Doesn't even say the most perfect. It says what? A faithful man. Well, what does it mean to be faithful? A good word to describe it is fidelity or loyalty. Another word is reliability. We can count on you. God can count on you. It shouldn't be a mystery right now that God doesn't have a lot of people he can count on right now. Even to do the basics of what it means to be a Christian. And they think that somehow God is going to just overlook that when it comes to the outpouring of his spirit and the treasure of the anointing and the increase even in the natural things. No, he's looking for folks he can count on. They're dependable in life. They're steady, consistent, trustworthy, devoted, and dedicated. If you have been married or are married, you know that that to be faithful is to keep only unto yourselves. No one else gets in that relationship. You don't take an emotional, physical, spiritual break from that person. What God has joined together, what? Let no man put asunder. And there are behaviors and abuses and, and we have people committing serial adultery and they say, they say they're Christians. That behavior severs relationship and severs covenant. That gives you a great idea what it means to be faithful to God. I'm not going to put anybody else on the throne of my life. I'm not letting anybody else have that place of intimacy. I'm not giving anybody else that place of authority and influence in my life. Nobody but God is going to have that place. That's what it means to be faithful. Caleb was said to have been wholehearted. Joshua was described the same way. Steadfast, no matter what's going on, you can count on them to be the same. In all the days that Mother Teresa lived, you could count on her to care for the poor and do whatever she could to fund those errors and hug the leper and minister to those that were sick. You could say the same thing about Billy Graham. He started out preaching a simple gospel, and his last message was the same way, the simple gospel, and millions of people came to Christ. To the end, he was faithful. You know, Mark Randall, on the last night that he preached on this earth, the Wednesday night at the university, he preached from a wheelchair, and someone got saved that very night. And the next morning, he was gone. B. Coronet did her ministry, loved the kids, and once told me she said it would take a bomb to get her out of her ministry. But she went home to be with the Lord, having been faithful to do what she was called to do. That kind of fidelity is rare today in the body of Christ. Flakiness, flightiness, that's what's, that's what's common today in the body of Christ. And we can't be that way and then wonder, I wonder why God's not blessing me. Why is God not increasing me? Well, it takes fidelity. It takes steadfastness. It takes consistency. No matter what the thing is that's going on out there, no matter what you're facing, no matter what pressure you're under, when you become faithful, you are consistent day in and day out. Look at somebody and say, God loves boring believers. Just steadfast, consistent, no fireworks going off. Just faithful. See, we as humans put a premium on charisma and performance and entertainment. God puts a premium on faithfulness. 
Watch this. The Lord gave it to me like this. Anyone can increase because anyone can be faithful. Faithful is, requires no special talent or gift. It just requires a decision. You mean to tell me that I may be lacking in increase because I haven't made a decision? You mean it's not because I'm not the prettiest one in the box? Or the most talented one at work? Or the smartest one among them? No. You are increasing. You're not increasing because you've not made a decision. What decision? To be faithful. Come on, shout it out. Faithfulness matters big time to God. And I'll tell you this. Some of you have been faithful and you're looking for what's coming and you're standing and sometimes the devil tells you it's not going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. If I hear him say it's going to happen one more time, I'm just going to throw up in my mouth. Listen to me. For you that have been faithful, you watch and see. Your God is not a man that he should lie. He has promised you that the faithful will abound with blessings and you are going to abound with blessings. Abound to the overflow that you can't even contain them. If you've been faithful, you should be excited about that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You mean to tell me all this time I thought it was I'm not smart enough, I don't work hard enough, you know, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth, I don't come from the right family, the right side of the tracks. You mean to tell me it's none of that? That's exactly what I'm telling you. It's faithfulness that'll set you apart. You go through the word of God and you'll find out it wasn't special gifts and dispensations. It wasn't what family they were in. Come on, church. Are you with me today? God sent in a couple spies into Jericho because they were going to take that city and dedicate it to the Lord by fire. Listen. They ran into someone who promised to hide them and not turn them in. At that moment, she had a decision. Do I stay with these heathen people or do I side with God and his people? And just like that, Rahab made the decision. And it changed everything. You can open up your Bible today and you will see that not only is a prostitute mentioned in the line of Jesus, she was the runner of the business. She was the madam. Now look at somebody and say, dear God, there's hope for you then. <laughs> Do you see this? It wasn't her perfection. It wasn't even how clean she was. She couldn't claim to be clean. She made a decision to stand with that which is faithful, and it changed everything. When they took Jericho, guess who got out safely? Rahab and hers. Some of y'all have been so deceived of thinking that this increased business is only for special people, you know, that God sprinkles pixie dust on. That's not pixie dust. It's faithfulness. Those that are faithful are dependable, and you can place your trust in them. Everybody loves to see a shooting star, but you know the problem with a shooting star? It doesn't last very long. But if you look up in the sky, you'll see what some call the North Star. It's actually what? It's actually a planet. And you'll see constantly, 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 you know, a, a marker 
a someone who just keeps shining, not screaming, look at me, aren't I great, but constantly there. I think it's interesting, in 2020, they're saying that Jupiter and Saturn will align again, creating the illusion of the very thing that happened when the Magi sought after Jesus. This is a unique year. If you had any clue about the prophetic implications of this year, you would be excited, not downcast, not discouraged, not depressed. In the back of all this nonsense, your God is moving. We are so close to the trumpet sounding. Be encouraged. Your God is faithful, so you can be faithful. Amen. Praise God. You don't have to wait for the star to, to seek for him. Glory to God. Faithfulness is not faith exercised by the believer so much as faithfulness and fidelity that's produced in the life of a yielded Christian by the Holy Spirit. Kenneth Wiest said that. Everybody say yielded to the Holy Spirit. The more you fellowship with God and the more you yield to the Spirit, the more faithfulness will be developed in your life because it's actually a fruit of the Spirit. But it's also a spiritual force. And faithfulness will remove burdens that cannot be removed any other way. What do I mean? You just keep striking at it and striking at it. Have you ever seen the documentary on the power of running water to eat away and etch away at rock over time? For those of you who actually believe there is a Bible description of a worldwide flood, everybody say big flood, 22 feet of water at least above the tallest mountain on this planet. The first time I saw the painted forest and I saw the Grand Canyon, I couldn't believe my eyes. But if you're a believer, there's only one explanation for that canyon. The force and the power of the overflow. And that's what God can do. It sits there as a reminder of the handiwork of your God. It's extraordinary to see for the first time. And you see the, the layers and the strata, and it just makes you think of one thing. How big is my God? Big enough to increase you. Do you believe that today? I want to just give you several areas that you should be faithful in if you're going to strive for faithfulness. It's a good place to start. And then we're going to spend some time in a scripture that will help you understand exactly how to execute that faithfulness in your life. One, you should be faithful to seek. Seek God in his word. Everybody say faithful. People that sought God turn out, um, they had great increase in blessing in their life. Abraham, everywhere he went, he built an altar and he worshiped God. Go over here, he built an altar and worshiped God. Go over here, he built an altar and worshiped God. Why? Because God was his priority. All these things came up on him and overtook him. He was made extremely wealthy, but his priority was what? Was God, always. Number two, faithful to stick. What does that mean? Stick to your assignment. Stick to your call. Stick to your location. Stick to what you're supposed to be doing. A lot of people don't. Why? They don't understand faithfulness. All the devil has to do is come by, you know, on any given day and say, well, I think you should go over here, and they'll start agreeing with the devil. I think you should stop doing this and go do that. I think you should stop living here and go over here. Listen, if you are functioning that way, you're not a faithful believer yet. You ought to be able to recognize the hand of God versus the deception of the devil at this point in your life. Can I have an amen today? Amen. Faithful to serve in ministry and serve diligently. Faithful to share. Share the good news of Jesus with others. 
Faithful to speak, number five. Speak the word, praise God, and give thanks. It's so easy to speak the circumstances in the church. We're called to speak the truth in love. Number six, faithful to sow. Consistently giving of tithes and offerings. No debate. We just are faithful. Faithful to stand. Unmovable and without fainting in the middle of the battle. Faithful to stand. Number eight, faithful to show up. Show up at church. Show up in your faith community. Show up and, and be a part of what God is doing. I'll tell you what, you think that's a big deal? It is a big deal to God. Amen. Just showing up. Faithful to stay in love. Number nine, stay out of strife, bitterness, and offense. How many you know if you'll do these nine things, you'll be well on your way? But not for a day, but as a lifestyle. Amen. You know, I, I think that it's important to understand the danger of taking for granted that if we are not faithful, that everything's going to be just fine and, and nothing bad will happen to us and we'll just wake up one day and get our act together. Well, let me just tell you something here. I, I know as a pastor in this town, about nine or ten men, they were all hot for God, fire for God, loved God. And somewhere along the line, some of them were in this church and some of them are outside of this immediate fellowship but they all have the same story. They all began to get cold towards the things of God. Faithfulness to his house, faithfulness to, to read, to pray, faithfulness to serve. Little by little begin to, to back away from a life of faithfulness. And if someone can reach them at that point in time and say, you can't possibly comprehend the consequences of the slip that's going on in your life. You can't possibly understand what might happen if you keep going down this path. Now, sometimes you can reach somebody that's teachable, and sometimes if you beat them over the head with a baseball bat, they wouldn't get it. But in every single case, I personally have watched them be men on fire for God, and every single one of them lose everything they had in the end. They lost their marriages. They lost the respect of their kids. Imagine if you're a kid growing up in a spirit-filled environment, and all of a sudden your dad whacks out. Could you imagine the danger to that child's spirituality? Now, this is not about casting stones. It's not about judgment. It's about realizing that there's a real value to faithfulness. If we won't be faithful to God, we won't be faithful to people. You are not capable of being the true faithful person you need to be to others if you're not faithful to him. And I assure you, if you find yourself slipping from things like this list, it's just a matter of time that you end up paying a bigger price than you thought you would pay. For a lot of us, that's just a good reminder. You may be here today and right now, that's where you are. You're in that dangerous place. You've been playing around with the things of God. Say, hey, pastor, I want you to get back to your notes. I'll get back to them in a minute. You listen. <laughs> been playing around with the things of God. Not important. Not a priority. Doesn't matter if I'm here in church. Don't matter if I read. Don't matter if I serve. Don't matter if I do the things I'm called to. I'm telling you, every single one of those men thought the same thing. And you know what would break my heart more than anything? If I ever saw my son look at me with disrespect because of the sheer disappointment of not following through on the things that were preached and taught in our household. And there are men, 
Now when their kids look at them, some of them won't even look at them, let alone talk to them. But you can tell when they look at them, if they were honest, they never look at them the same again. Now there's forgiveness, there's grace, and there's mercy. But what I'm saying is, why go down that path? Why test what the pastor is saying? Why walk around and say, I'm the exception to that rule? Faithfulness doesn't matter. Here's the sum total of it all. Faithful servants are increased. Ones that aren't are decreased. And it's one thing not to have a big pile of money or a nice house, every car you want to drive, all those things. But there are material things that I'm watching people lose. There are material things that they're wasting, and they have little hands and little feet and little eyes. Their material things are being compromised that are much more valuable than anything you can live in, drive, or spend. So I want to encourage you. You don't want to go down that path. And yes, ladies, I have seen a few women do the same thing. But to be perfectly honest with you, it's disproportionately the men. Look at those nine. Look at your life. Consider what's going on. Because any faithful person can increase. But God can't increase faithlessness. Ah, well, we'll see, you know. I'm just doing what I'm doing and God sees me and God knows where I am and blah, 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 all the other cliches you can come up with. But, you know, every once in a while, Look at somebody say, every once in a while. God gets, gets up in your business. And the wise person says, you know, I'm just smart enough to know that on this Sunday, on faithfulness, the Holy Ghost shot across my bow so that I wouldn't be another statistic. How loving and gracious is that? I said, how loving and gracious is that? Those nine markers are just indicators of, of just, you know, how much follow-through you actually have. But I want to encourage you today. Any believer can increase. Come on, say it. Any believer can increase if what? They're faithful. It's not complicated. Amen? Watch how difficult this is. It's Sunday morning. It's 9.30. Plenty of time. Amen? Take a shower. Put on some clothes. Dear God, put on some clothes. Make the long drive. Then go to church. Amen. Watch this. this. This will be an absolute marvel to you. It's so difficult to be a Christian. Pick up your Bible. Woo. 
Did you see that? Did you see what I just did? Open it up. And read it. And apply it to your life. You mean to tell me you want me to get up, take a shower, put clothes on, come to church? Oh, my goodness. That's so difficult. So hard. Bless your heart. I'll pray for you. That God would help you endure. He that endures to the end shall be saved. What have you done for Jesus lately? I endured going to church yesterday. So, so hard. So difficult to pray. No. That's all a mental stronghold. All you have to do is be faithful in the little things. And he'll increase you greatly. And it will protect you from the devouring ways of the enemy. Amen. I'd like to say that, you know, I wish all these gentlemen had heard this message, but be frank with you, they all did. I assure you, they have been taught these principles. But when push came to shove, they didn't care. Does that make sense? There is a power in daily faithfulness that's hard for the devil to overcome. Very hard. The, the habit. The formation, the strength, the, the setting of the believer is very difficult to overcome when they have the habit of faithfulness. Praise God. The story is told of a Jesus who came to three of his servants. Everybody say three. three. Matthew 25. It's a wonderful story, but very, very challenging. <laughs> and he, uh, he came to the one and he said... Um, here are five talents. He came to the second and he said, here are two talents. Now I'm not talking about tap dancing and piano here. Y'all understand what I'm saying to you? And to the one, you're really enjoying this, aren't you, Sheila? Amen. You're dressed in purple, you're ready for it. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, and to the third, he gave one talent. Now what's interesting is, and in some cases, the, the, the value and the, the weight and the worth of a talent has not been carefully, you know, communicated to, to people in, in the church of Jesus Christ. For example, uh, Solomon, Queen of Sheba, brought uh, 120 talents to uh, Solomon. They were gold. The value of that gold is $120 million. A talent represents the weight and the worth of your labor over a 20-year period. When you hear this story taught, oftentimes, how do you understand we all have mental baggage? We have this idea. When we, we hear about the nativity, we, we think about Joseph and Mary and the baby and three wise men with little presents. We don't think of a caravan of royalty. Too hard to make the nativity seem that big. It'd be bigger than the tree. <laughs> we can't do that. So we'll just limit it. <laughs> and it's the same thing with, with this story. He came to the one and he said, here's five talents in a little bag. 
And here's two talents for you in this little bag. And then here's one. I'm, I'm going to come back and we're going to account to see how you have done. The actual weight that the man that got five talents was 375 pounds. The two man's bag was 150 pounds. And the one that got the one talent was 70 pounds of gold. Look at somebody and say, that's a lot of gold. The, the value of a talent for, let's say, a, a, an average household income of around $50,000, we'll just use that number because it's simple. Someone getting one talent is a million dollars in gold. One, two, and you can do the rest of the math yourself. Look at somebody and say, that's a lot of talent. And what was he looking for? Do something with what I have given you to each of them. Do you see this? And you know the story. In Matthew 25, the five, the five guy comes back, and what has he done? Through faithfulness, he doubled the investment. Now he's walking around with, you know, 375 times two, you get the picture. The guy with two comes back with what? 150 pounds more of gold. The guy that comes back with 75, the guy who was given the 75, uh, you know, pound bag, comes back and has what to show for it? Nothing. Nothing. Look at this with me, Matthew 25. Just look at what Jesus says. Hallelujah. Matthew 25. Then the man who had uh, received the one talent, around verse 24. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked servant, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on loan or deposit with a banker so that when I return, you would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to whom? The one who has the ten. Everyone who has will be given more and he who has an and will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. The faithful one increased and the faithless one decreased. Say this to me. The faithful one increases. The faithless one decreases. Watch this from this story. How, how can you be faithful based on these principles? Just jot these down. These will encourage you and give you kind of a, a roadmap to follow. One is keep your eyes on you and stop comparing yourself with others. I don't know about you, but it'd be nice to have the five million bag, but that one million bag's awful nice too. See, you're not judged based on what he gave you. You are judged based on what you do with it. Keep your eyes on yourself. Number two, keep trusting God. I know you're a hard man. You, you reap and harvest where you haven't sown. Does that sound biblical to you? That God would tell us to reap based on what we have sown, but for himself have a different model altogether? No. In other words, 
This man didn't trust God. This man didn't have a clue about the character of God and his nature. His nature is what? His nature is good. Number three, keep out of fear because it will stop your faithfulness dead in its tracks. Oh, I, I started to give financially, but, but you know, we're, we're running dry and I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, so I'll stop giving or I'll stop serving or I'll stop coming to church because of COVID. Faithful and then this shows up and suddenly I'm in fear. What follows fear is a lack of faithfulness. Listen, my brothers and sisters, and aren't you glad you're here today? There are people compromising their increase because they're afraid to obey God. Fear shut down faithfulness. It's the same thing that happened to this man in the story. And the problem is once you open up the door to fear, Fear will continue to try to run your life. It may have started with COVID. It won't stop with COVID. Next time, it'll be something else. I hear the Holy Ghost saying that there is a plethora of phobias that are entering Christians' lives because they have given themselves over to COVID fear. I hear the Spirit of God saying agoraphobia. Anybody know what that is? What is it? Fear of going out. You won't go out? Fine. But the duplicity is as is, is, is clear as it can be. It's dangerous. I, I want to tell you this, church. This is the smartest virus in the history of mankind. It knows. It knows when you've been bad or good. No. It is the smartest virus in the history of the world. For example, if you go to Walmart, there's 500 cars there and people are shopping for two hours. COVID says, I ain't messing with that. No. I don't care if a thousand people punch that debit card machine. I ain't going there. I will not sit on, the, on that particular console. I don't care. Smart. If you go to a casino, COVID says, I don't like to gamble. I'm not going. I ain't going. Somebody else can go, but I'm not going to the casino. And, and it says, I'm not going to the abortion clinic. I'm not going there because I am smart. And COVID says, I ain't going to the strip club. Might see some Christians there moving right along. But I'm not going there. I am not going there. But I tell you where I will go. I'm going to go to the restaurant where there's five tables between people. And they'll march in with their mask on and they'll take it off to eat and drink and that's when I'll jump on them. <laughs> Wham! And what? If you don't like this, I just don't care. I just, 
I can't tell you how much I don't care. I'm trying to help you. My job is not to instill fear in you. My job is to break it off your life. And I have to rattle your brain a little bit, then so be it. But it's amazing. It's amazing. COVID won't go to Walmart or to the strip club. It won't go to the casino. But it will definitely go to Johnny's third grade class. Because COVID is in remedial work right now. <laughs> but COVID's favorite place, favorite place is to go to church. I can't wait to see that smiling Christian walk in here and raise a hand because that's the hand I'm going to get right there, that one. <laughs> They're going to make a mistake and actually touch the bucket. <laughs> you can call me Bucket COVID. I'm going to get them. <laughs> and when they start singing, that's when I do my best work. Oh, oh loves church. Dream Center in LA, LA feeds a million people a year. Every year they gear up for the oppressed and the heart of LA and the homeless, which has grown to epidemic proportions. They have 20,000 presents to give to the kids. It's amazing. And the LA County decided to shut them down. These people won't get their food, they won't get their meals, they won't get their presents. Because two people in an organization of thousands got COVID. That's not public health policy. That's just fear and control. And you're not to be afraid of anyone. And you're not to be controlled by anyone. Patrick Henry said, give me what? Give me what? Give me what? Give me liberty or death. Now, this thing is real. People have been hurt by it. People have been taken out by it. It's a real situation. But when's the last time you heard of somebody getting killed on Highway 94 East and then tell yourself, I ain't going down that road no more? Somebody died on this road. I'm not going down that road anymore. Huh? Do you use wisdom? You follow the Holy Ghost? But following the Holy Ghost is not making your trail. Following the Holy Ghost, his essence is to do what the Word tells you to do. Among the calls of people who are now too afraid to walk out their door because they gave over this thing. Phobias. I hear it. Fear of water, fear of heights, irrational fears of people and situations. They're coming in and that was just the front door the devil has used. I encourage you strongly. Just repent of all that nonsense. Come on, say, I don't have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Say, I don't have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
Come on, shout it out one more time. I don't have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Keep out of fear. It'll shut your faithfulness down. I'm afraid to serve. I'm afraid to go to church. I'm afraid to read. I'm afraid to give. I'm afraid this. That's not who you are. You're cut from the same mold as a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You will bow down to that idol or we will throw you in the furnace. By the way, it's more dangerous than COVID in there. (laughs) And you will bow or you will burn. And they said, our God is going to deliver us. But even if he didn't, we will not bow. You know the more of that story is? If you don't bow, you don't burn. The devil tells you, unless you bow, you're going to burn. That's who you are. You're cut from the cloth of Daniel who sought the face of God. They made it illegal. The government made it illegal to pray to Jehovah God. And so you know what he did? He crawled into his closet where no one could see. What did he do? He didn't change anything. He was always visible, seeking and worshiping God. It wasn't see me. It was I'm seeking God the way I And he didn't change a thing. Put him into the lion's den with hungry lions. That's the cloth you're cut from. Come on, that's the cloth you're cut from. And what happened? I mean, they're all laying next to each other asleep. Suddenly they lost their appetite. That's the cloth you're cut from. Amen. You stop preaching Jesus. You stop doing what you're told by your God to do. Or we're going to arrest and apprehend you. And we're going to torment you. And ultimately do what we did to your master. We're going to kill you. So there you have. Amen. In the middle of the night. In the jail. Huh? Paul and Silas, what are they doing? They didn't stop them one iota from doing their ministry. In the middle of the night, what happened? Power of God hits that place. Doors swing open. Amen. That's the cloth that you're from. You're not from the hide and cower cloth. You're from the Job cloth. Though he slay me. Yet what? Well, sir, can you see that if you get this in you, what if God wanted you to go to a remote place in the world that's war infested, disease infested, strife infested? What would happen if you went there and you were called there and you bowed every time there was a threat? How could you possibly do what you're called to do? Come on, said, I reject that really smart virus in Jesus' name. Come on, say it. I command you to die in the name of Jesus. Afflict no one else. Kill no one else. Disease no one else in Jesus' name. But be afraid of it. No. You don't have to be afraid of anything to understand its potential.
Amen. That's the important thing. Hallelujah. Say it with me. I reject the spirit of fear. It's not coming on my life. I reject all phobias. Anyone you can name. You're not coming on my life. I slam the door of fear on the face of that in Jesus' name. My God is my protector. He's my keeper. He's my life. Amen. Felt impressed all service long. Um, Bryce, as you sang, and led us in, uh, in the blessing. You know, the words that we release you with every single week should take on special meaning during a time like this, not less meaning. And God came to Moses and he said, look, this is what you're to instruct Aaron. This is how he has to bless the people. It's the same thing that happened when Jesus went back up to the throne after he met with his disciples. It's the same thing that we do. It is not a ritual. Everybody say it's not a ritual. But it's powerful. The Lord of what? Bless you. That means empower you to succeed, to prosper, to increase, to be in good health, to bear much fruit. The word is just loaded with meaning. The Lord bless you and keep you. If you want to jot it down, you can, but it means to protect, to defend, to preserve, to keep, and watch over. He told them to repeatedly tell them this. So we don't forget that he is our keeper. I like that little man, Fauci, but he's not my keeper. Do you get that? The Lord is your keeper. He's the one that protects and defends and preserves and protects. He's the one that guides and keeps. Hey, Israel, God's going to keep you. You're going to make it. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. A direct reference to the glory of God, God's manifest presence, power, and goodness. When you hear us declare that, you could say, I'm taking that in Jesus' name. He just prophesied and prayed, manifested power, presence, and goodness on my life, and I'm taking it in Jesus' name. You should be active when that thing is going forth. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. That speaks of his favor. It speaks of his opportunity. Every time they said it, they were prophesying favor on your life. Could you imagine being so afraid you can't sit under that blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord what? Lift up his countenance upon you. It means to turn his face. It means that he is pleased with you and that he is with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's your promise from God. I don't know about you, but if God's with me, Amen? Junior COVID didn't stand a chance. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, what? Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, what? 
lift up his countenance upon you and give you what? Shalom. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Complete parity in your life. Soundness in your mind, your body, your emotions, every area of your life. And it also goes back to something Rodney prayed and mentioned earlier in the service. It means that whatever there's a need in your life for justice, your God's given it to you. That's what shalom means. He will write it. Aren't you glad you're part of the body of Christ? Aren't you glad you're believers? Amen? Say, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. Shout it out. I reject fear. In Jesus' name. Keep out of fear. Number four, keep your mind renewed. In other words, you're wicked when you think opposite to God's will and way. If you think opposite to God's will and way, you're going to do opposite to God's will and way. And then five is keep busy. Industry and action are hallmarks of the kingdom of God. You lazy servant. We may think that we're doing something out of prudence, but God calls it laziness. It's important to take on his perspective. The result, the faithful one was increased. Here's another 75 pound bag of gold for you, son. The faithless one was decreased. Come on, shout that out. The faithful one increases. The faithless one decreases. Say this with me. Anyone can increase because anyone can be faithful. Faithfulness requires no special talent or gift. It just requires a decision. How many of the raised hands say, I'm deciding to be faithful this day. I don't care what it is yesterday. I am going to be faithful from this day on. Whatever I'm called to do or be. Amen. Praise God. Matthew 25, 21, the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will set you over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. What does it mean to be good in this context? Watch this. It means to be faithful. You remember the story. Jesus had the rich young ruler come to him and said, good master. He cuts him off. No one is good but God alone. Not because he was denying he was good, but he was questioning if the young man understood what he was saying. You understand I'm God. You understand what you're calling me by calling me good as God. Watch this. We may have all kinds of, you know, standards about what goodness is that can be biblically based or culturally based. I understand that. But the Bible itself gives you a definition of goodness that anybody in this room can live up to. In that one verse, the Lord teaches us that goodness is equated with faithfulness. You may not be a perfect specimen, but if you're faithful according to Jesus, you'll be labeled good. And that's powerful, isn't it? What can we use more of in this world? More good and faithful servants. Amen? Can you receive this today? Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap and thank him for it.